0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of the Yankees magazine podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights along with up to the moment stats, standings, breaking news and more download the MLB app today it's your number one app for Yankees baseball Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine, and we have an extremely special episode today because we are going to continue our celebration of the 40th anniversary of Yankees Magazine by bringing in two of the people responsible for so many of the incredible, incredible photos that you see in every issue. And I'm talking about Ari Goldman-Hecht, the Yankees chief photographer and senior photography editor. Hello. Hey Ari, how are you? And also joining us, we have a team photographer, Jim Petrozello. What's going on, Jim? Hey guys, how's it going? It's really good, and it's great to have you guys on here. Obviously, we've done so many episodes recently where I've been talking to Nate and Al, and that's great. I enjoy talking to Nate and Al, but I'm so used to, during the course of the season, spending so much time with you two, whether at the stadium or on the road, and instead this year... Ari I think we've seen each other for about three minutes from afar but Jim I haven't seen you other than right now in this zoom window with your absolutely majestic mustache so it, it's really wonderful to to be with you guys
1: it's nice to be with you guys I miss you guys John I don't think I've seen
0: you since uh, we were in the DR I know man oh god remember when we used to travel and do things and tell stories and all that kind of fun stuff yeah that was fun that was fun seeing people in real life what, what, a, what a concept. <laughs> oh. But, uh, you know, I'm really excited to have you guys on here. Uh, as, as I said, I want to talk about two things in this episode. First off, I want to talk about the photo story we have in our September issue, looking at some of the best shots from Yankees magazine over the past 10 years. And secondly, Ari, unlike pretty much everyone else in the world, you've been spending actually a lot of time at Yankees Stadium this season, and I really would like to talk to you a little bit about just what it's like to try to shoot baseball in these circumstances. I mean, you're a pro at this, you know how to do it, you know how to get the best stuff, and then suddenly this year comes around and you have to do everything different. So I I think I'm really excited to hear how that's going. But like I said, let's jump right into this feature, again, from the September issue, from every angle, and – I I think I've said this in every single episode thus far. This is not exactly the 40th anniversary of Yankees magazine we had planned. I don't think that anything in 2020 has been according to plan. But it was exciting to get to put together this really, really interesting just photo compilation for this issue. And, And Jim and Ari, you two are responsible for so many of the photos in here. So, so before we even talk about the details, and let me stress, there is nothing that works over an audio medium, like talking about photos, but we're going to do our best here. But before we, before we start about the p- specific photos, just what's it like for you guys when you flip through this and see the, the stuff that you worked on over the last 10 years, how we had to pick just individual things to try to represent that decade?
1: Speaking for myself, first of all, thank you for having us. This is very fun to see you both, but also to reminisce together. I, I think... For me, since I was very hands-on with going through all these old photos and reaching out to Jim for him to go through his, it was very nostalgic. I mean, you realize how much we've grown since I first started in 05 just by looking at these photos. And, you know, it takes you back to those moments and to those adventures that we got to go on together. So for me, it was a very nostalgic experience. Yeah, I mean, I
2: feel the same way. It was... um... You know, I think Ari and Al reached out to me and and told me that you guys were putting this together. And uh, I had the same experience where I was going through old hard drives, probably, I don't know, eight different hard drives, uh, finding these different images. They range from historic moments uh, for the team to just um, really special inside looks uh, where we have access to players in situations like being in the Dominican Republic with Luis Severino or going uh, to Puerto Rico, to, to Bernie Williams' childhood home. So it was just really great to kind of take the time to go back and, and look at everything that we've done and uh, all the opportunities that we've had to be around, you know, the players, the team as a whole, and the things that we've been able to, to show to the fans. I
0: think one thing that's so special about the way we handle this magazine, and and, and I hope it doesn't go without saying, I hope people realize this is special is that obviously, we write a lot of features about in game stuff. And, you know, we're using game photos, usually kind of from the same angles, and they can be a little repetitive. But there's such a commitment that I think we make to every time we do a big feature, every time we go on the road, to make sure that the photos tell as much of the story as the words do and to really give as much space as possible to whether it's you are or you Jim or Obviously, Ron Antonelli, another team photographer, uh, Barry Schneiderman, uh, who's been in with us for a while, Matt Ziegler, who has some shots that are represented in this. I mean, I think from, from an editing perspective and a writing perspective, how much I know I lean on the photos in there to not just look pretty, but to help tell the story that we're trying to tell with these features.
1: We're just trying to add on to your guys' well-written features about the player, about the moments, whatever the feature may be about. And having our photos hopefully kind of solidify the story you guys are trying to tell in your futures. Like Jim said, a lot of these are just moments which we're not orchestrating, we're just there to document. Other photos included in this essay are portraits that we're staging or a little less organic than these moments in time. But we try through our lens to help kind of just accentuate the stories that you guys are telling and You know, we're very lucky that we get this access that we do by working for the publication and the organization that we do.
0: One thing that I always enjoy about looking through these photos is two examples I want to pull out from here. If you look on page 82, Ari, you have a shot of Andy Pettit during his final game. You happen to be in Houston. You happened to be in the right spot. You caught him sitting in the dugout, really just this pensive look on his face. And not even the dugout in the tunnel. You, know, you can kind of see that you're shooting through kind of like bars almost. And obviously, and I don't mean this is any knock on you. That's a matter of you were in the right place. You turned and saw something and you clicked. And I think that with a lot of people, they think with photography, because anyone can go out and buy a decent camera. And, I, and I, I'm guilty of this, too. I think that because I can click the shutter and because I can use the auto function and manipulate a few things that I can do what you guys do. But meanwhile, then you look at, and and I'm just picking two examples again of you, Ari. If you look at, you have this photo of, you know, Alex Rodriguez working out with a tire and you just have this unbelievably perfect light and you have this incredible look on his face and it's framed incredibly well. And you realize that it's not just a matter of pressing the button at the right time. It's really understanding all the surroundings that you're working with and the light and how you can manipulate the light and how you can put someone in the right place. And I think it's always nice to look at as much as I enjoy, obviously the way I get to write, and I think I'm good at writing, or whatever these things, I always like when you can look at, oh, this is what it looks like when you actually put a professional photographer in a situation here, and you can see what it looks like to not just press the button 50 times and pick the one that works.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just patience. I mean, with Alex, I always, and I still have a tremendous relationship with him. He's always been so good to me, and we have a mutual respect for each other. So it was also just my friendship with him that allowed Al and I to go to Miami and do that story with him because I don't know how often at that point in his career, he would have opened his door to like a photographer coming to shoot his workout. And with Pettit, it it was, it was being in the right place at the right time. I was in an inside photo spot in Houston and Pettit's final game um, in his career. And he was pitching great. And I just looked behind me and I saw him down below. And I think, I have some frames where he was talking to Larry Rothschild and, you know, he he wanted the ball. He wasn't ready to come out. So that was like, you know, him kind of contemplating. I'm sure there was some reflection on his career, but it was also just like him in that moment. And again, I turned around and he was there. So some of it is luck of where you are and some of it is, you know, being able to envision a photo and then executing it and others again, like with Alex, it's just the relationship that... Allowed us to be there and be a fly in the wall during that workout and during that story we did.
2: The one of Pettit struck me because it it it's, tells such a story. I mean, you can really just see him kind of mulling over his entire career in that moment. And I think something happens when we go to new ballparks to shoot because we get different angles on things that we don't necessarily get to see at Yankee stadium, you know, where we're in the same few spots and we're always kind of looking at the same things. It's, it's exciting to go to a new ballpark where you have a view into the tunnel like that and you can make images like this. So I I know I personally always enjoy that just getting to a new, a new ballpark and kind of looking around and seeing what's different. And, you know, like Ari said, maybe envisioning, you know, okay, maybe there's a guy in the tunnel and he's doing something interesting and that's not something we ever get to shoot at home. So she really nailed that one. That's that's such a great shot. I really like it. Thank that you. One. I
1: appreciate that. And it's funny because it's a moment like I definitely love that photo and I definitely appreciated being there and catching that moment, but it's funny that I feel like Al he always talks about that photo, like when we're doing things where we're trying to put together, or maybe it was more just with this photo essay is that he's like, you have to include that Pettit one. You have to include the Pettit one. And I didn't realize how impactful it was until you hear it from other people, actually.
0: Oh, for sure. No, I agree with it. I agree with everything you've all said there. It's, it's just such a captivating and odd in some ways, but it just draws you in so much in, in how much it's telling in the more the layers as you look at it, you know, obviously Some of of these are pretty simple in the sense that, and and there's something simple, obviously, about lighting a shot well and telling something great. But, you know, Jim, one thing I want to talk to you about is if you look, I, I can't think of too many, you know, famous baseball players or Yankees heroes you haven't been around, you know, in this past decade that we were going through here. It's a little bit different when you get Mick Jagger and Keith Richards hanging out in a hotel room with a World Series trophy. Derek Jeter's a pretty famous guy, obviously. Alex Rodriguez is a pretty famous guy. Mick Jagger is a little bit on another level there. What, what's that like when you find yourself in the room with them, trying to uh, give them direction on how to pose and get this ready?
2: Yeah, that that was pretty unbelievable. I Never in my life did I imagine that I would be photographing those guys. So when Al told me that it was in the works... I mean, I, I kind of freaked out a little bit and, you know, we talked about different things that we might try and this and that. And we decided to have the, the trophy and, you know, rather than just doing something really simple and straightforward where they're kind of, you know, mugging for the camera and holding the trophy, we talked about, well, why don't we just have it? Like the two of them are in a room talking and the world series trophy happens to be there. So yeah, we went to the Carlisle hotel and, set up hours and hours before and their PR people were there and they were very, very demanding on a level like that I had never experienced where they wanted to know exactly what we were gonna do with them and had to like walk the PR people through exactly what Mick was gonna do, where he was gonna sit, how many images we were gonna take. And then when they came separately and um, they had very different personalities, Keith was totally down to earth could have stayed all day. And Mick was, I mean, he was great, but he was very businesslike and very professional. And he was almost like a politician in the way that he answered questions where Al would ask him something and he could kind of turn it around and provide whatever information he wanted. But it was interesting shooting them because they were very curious about the Yankees. They were asking, you know, me questions about the new stadium and how it was different from the old one, I, you know, cause this was, was 2010. So it was right after the the first year in the new ballpark. They had a lot of questions, you know, they're, they're not from here. They don't know baseball very well. They of course know the Yankees, but uh, it was funny. It was very funny to me that I was in a room with Mick Jagger and Keith Richards and they were asking me questions that I was answering rather than, you know, me trying to get information or knowledge from them.
0: It makes me think about a year ago, almost exactly. I saw the Stones at MetLife Stadium or in the Me- in, in Meadowlands. And the reason I bought these extremely expensive tickets is because, you know, I, I like the Rolling Stones as much as, you know, the next guy, but I had never seen them live and I kind of felt like it's one of those bands that, you know, you got to go eventually go see. And in my head, as I'm g- getting ready to go to this thing, I'm, I'm just expecting, you know, this nostalgia act, whatever. I'm going to see the Rolling Stones so I can check it off and see it, say that I saw them. And I, and I obviously back in the old times when you could do things, I, I see plenty of live music and I really love concerts. So I think concerts are what I miss the most during this whole nonsense right now. But I, I just remember sitting through that concert the entire time. And being like, oh my God, these guys are amazing. And then being like, oh, of course these guys are amazing. These are literally, these are the actual Rolling Stones that I'm watching here. This isn't like, you know, some cover band covering brown sugar or something like that. This is like literally actually Mick Jagger and Keith Richards and Ronnie Wood and Charlie Watson and all this stuff. And the the reason I bring that up, not just to tell a funny story about seeing the Rolling Stones, is one of the great joys that I find of this job always is when you find yourself interacting with people who, in some level, you know so well just from their voice or their appearance something like that and every time you're sitting with them after a little while there's like maybe like every five minutes or every minute or every 10 minutes you just do this double take when you realize like oh i'm sitting here literally right now talking to alex rodriguez And like, that's not a normal thing. And most people are not doing this with their life right now. And you try to act professional and you try to act like it's nothing. But yeah, I mean, Jim, you're sitting in a hotel room with Mick Jagger and Keith Richards and you're trying to act like it's as normal as possible. But are you kidding me? That's not normal. (laughs) You're with the Rolling Stones. You're with the actual Rolling Stones in a hotel room.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's part of being a photographer. You know, it's like on the one hand, you need to be professional because you need to treat them like regular people. Uh, They appreciate that. But at the same time, you need to appreciate the, the experience and just how special it is. And also be conscious of how you can convert that into, into a good photo, you know, because everything that makes up the public image of who they are, you're trying to represent some aspect of that in the photograph. So yeah, I mean, looks very intimidating to, to think you know, this is the Rolling Stones, I'm going to be in a room with them. So, you know, I plan ahead as much as possible, leave as few things to chance as possible. I think out the lighting and the composition and, you know, what makes sense for them in terms of, you know, you're not going to photograph Mick Jagger the same way that you're going to photograph Aaron Judge. You know, they're, they're different people. It wouldn't make sense to approach them in the same way. But yeah, it's 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 one of the real benefits of being a photographer. It's just all of the people you get to meet and all of the places that you get access to that otherwise you really have no business being around or or places you have any business being in.
0: You know, Ari, you wrote about in, in the feature about the 40th anniversary. You told an incredible story about just being out there. Well, I think like nine months pregnant, shooting Mike Dicka. Um, and and just. There's, all, there's a million reasons why that would have been a day to send someone else on that shoot. But at the same time, you're just like, absolutely not. Like, this is the coach and I'm going to shoot this one.
1: Yeah, I was, I think it was a month before my due date and Al had reached out and was like, we got Mike Dicka for the magazine. I'm like, I'll call you right back. I called my doctor. I was like, can I go to Florida for like 24 hours? The doctor said, okay. And we went, it was like an in and out trip, but growing up in Chicago, which You know, I'm very proud of meeting the coach and like doing a photo shoot with Dick. I was like something I wasn't passing up. That was like my coach growing up again. It was one of those things where we were trying to come up with what we were going to do. But a lot of the times you're feeding off of the energy of the person you're shooting. So I got some shots of him at lunch doing the interview and I'm at the end of my pregnancy and he is smoking a cigar. His wife is smoking a cigarette on my other side the smoke is coming at me. I'm like <laughs> trying to like not react because I'm just trying not to and remain professional. And then they finally notice my belly and they're like, oh, you're pregnant. I'm like, yeah. So then I think they kind of stopped blowing the smoke in my face. Um, but it was still, it was an awesome opportunity. And that's the nice part about the job is getting these chances to meet and photograph people you normally wouldn't photograph. And, you know, you can kind of geek out internally, but when you're there in the moment, you you're acting like a professional and just getting your job done. But I definitely internally was like, it's the coach.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Jim, I think it's important that we uh, just kind of get the lowdown on exactly what it is with you and shooting taxidermy because (laughs) this feature (laughs) includes an enormous, enormous amount of dead stuffed animals. And I have to say, we did not include any shots of you being there as Andy Pettit gutted a deer, thankfully. You know, we have Wade Boggs in literally what appears to be a museum of dead animals and Ron Guidry in some sort of, like, nest of dead birds. I- I'm just curious, as you're, as you're scanning your surroundings, trying to find uh, where to shoot, what is it that draws you to taxidermy?
2: I mean, it's kind of irresistible as a, <laughs> as a, as a backdrop. You know, it's, it's uh, to some people, maybe it's normal. They grew up hunting, and, and this is just part of their everyday. To me, I, I didn't grow up that way. Um, So, you know, when you walk into Wade Boggs' house in Florida, he's got an elephant on a wall right when you walk in. So that greets you first off. And then you turn into this living room area and he's just got, I don't know, I mean, 40 different kinds of elk and antelope and lions and a crocodile on the floor. How can you not take a photograph of the guy there? And, you know, and it's also a big part of who he is. He's a big hunter and outdoorsman and fisherman and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and the same thing with Ron Guidry. You know, it, it's kind of an interesting part of their personality and what they do in the offseason as well. But yeah, I mean, how can you pass up, like, standing weed bogs next to a lion? You know, my only regret with that photo is that I didn't, I didn't compose it so that the horns look like they're coming out of his head. That That really, <laughs> really would have sealed it. Yeah, so I kind of blew it on that one.
0: On page 88, Ari, I think all three of these shots I'm about to talk about are you. Three incredible photos. One of Jerry Coleman, one of David Wells, Don Larson, and David Cohn, and one of Mel Stoudemire. And obviously, it's hard to look at that page without realizing just what what it's like every time you lose a member of the Yankees family like this. And, and the way that these photos that you take, as much as, obviously, Don Larson you know, has a legacy that lives on forever. But to know the role that you both play and that all photographers play in trying to capture these moments, not even just the game and not even the thing, but to know that the way that you're able to create these representations of these guys long after they're gone, and the way that that stuff, you know, we can continue to use it, and we can continue to view them this way, and they can continue to tell the stories of these guys after they pass, you know, how meaningful is it for you, to know not just the time you spent with these three guys and obviously plenty of others, but to, to see that the, these photos still representing even after they've passed away.
1: I mean, it's very important. And it's very, you know, I think more so with the former players like the alumni, they appreciate us coming and telling their story just because they're not in the league and there's something different with current guys versus former guys, you know, the current guys are getting requests all the time still. Whereas alumni, they're kind of, you know, they're they're out of the limelight and they just don't get the requests as much. So I think they have a greater appreciation with sharing their stories to us. At least that's what I found in the stories I've done. Jerry Coleman was an unbelievable man. I didn't really know him before we went to San Diego to do this story, but he spent an entire I think it was two days we did with him. One day we went and had lunch with him and went to this museum in uh, just outside San Diego with him. And he was, you know, just sharing military stories with us. And then we got to be a fly in the wall at the Padres ballpark with him and go up to the booth where he was the broadcaster for the team. And, you know, it was just, he was very um, welcoming and very eager to let us kind of be a fly in the wall at the stadium. And then share his stories of his life, basically. And, you know, with the three perfect gamers, Wells, Larson, and Cone, Andrew Levy helped orchestrate a dinner with them. And again, just being a fly in the wall there. And it was obviously a much different experience because it was at a sit-down dinner and it was those three guys, you know, sharing their stories and feeding off each other. And, you know, they're different generations. So different kind of like baseball stories, but baseball was their common ground and they were laughing and just oh my God, it, it, it was such a nice dynamic those three have or had. And then with Mel, he had been sick and, you know, this was, his plaque had just been installed in Monument Park and him and his family came to the stadium and it was just like beautiful to be out there with them. And they were so grateful for the plaque. And, you know, it, it's very nice to be able to be there and photograph these moments. You you do feel a connection to them, even in those short periods of time that you get to spend with them. So when they pass, it, it's sad. I mean, it's, it's very sad because you, you get to know them so well in these little moments. And then it's like you're just getting to know them. And then all of a sudden they're gone. But you have these stories that they shared with you and not all the stories make the pages of the magazine. So that's something that I cherish that I get to hear these stories and some untold stories as well.
2: I also feel like a responsibility to the players, you know, because the Yankees are such uh, an iconic, historic franchise. And some of the images that we make are going to be the images that stand the test of time and become associated with these players. The one of most standing on the mound, 602 career saves, you know, that could be something that people look at decades from now. So I I try to be conscious of that and, and take that into account that you know we have an opportunity to really make the image that is going to be the, the image associated with these guys moving forward, even after they stop playing.
0: Well, uh, it, it's a brilliant photo essay. Again, I mean, we spent 30 minutes talking about pictures that you'll have to take our word for it, I guess, or more importantly, go buy the September issue of Yankees magazine. But I, I, I know that my first job or my first love in some ways is writing. And I, and I love the ability to really sit down with the subject and talk to him and kind of try to learn everything I can about him so I can write this long feature. But I'm so jealous of what you guys are able to do, which is just to capture. And again, it's not just a matter of clicking the shutter release and hoping for the best. I mean, the work that goes into prepping this and knowing what you're getting and You don't have to take my word for it. You can look in any issue of Yankees Magazine. But certainly hope you'll look at the September 2020 issue of Yankees Magazine and the feature from every angle where you can see from Jim, from Ari, and certainly from all the other photographers involved with the Yankees and Yankees Magazine. It's such a huge part of what we do. And there's not enough credit that we could possibly give and and I'm really glad every time we're able to do these photo essays and just let these brilliant images do the talking, especially in a situation where we're looking over 10 years like this. So, Jim, Ari, I don't know, keep up the good work, whatever you want to say. <laughs> um, and, and Jim, thanks so much for spending the time with us. We're going to take a really quick break right now and then when we get back, Ari and I are going to talk a little bit just about what it's like to shoot baseball in 2020, which is something that very few people on this planet know, but Ari is definitely one of them. So stick with us. Hi, this is Clark Schmidt. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine podcast.
3: Deep to left, Yastrzemski will not get its Home run! A three-run home run for Bruggens. The Yankees now lead it by a score of three to two. Hey folks, it's Bucky Dent. I'm proud to be part of a new podcast on Yankees Magazine Podcast Network called Deep the Left with Bucky Dent. Every other Tuesday, we'll bring you a new episode chatting about great moments from Yankee history with some of my best friends from a career in the game. We'll look at what's happening with the current team, share some memories, and no surprise, we'll even discuss a little homer I hit one credible day in Fenway Park. Download Deep the Left with Bucky Dent at yankees.com slash podcasts or at the podcast app of your choice. Can't wait to speak with you soon. This episode is also brought to you by
0: MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription also includes the MLB app Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball with your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Uh, that was a great, really interesting conversation we had about those photos. I still do have Ariel Goldman-Hecht on the line with us. And, Ari, the, the thing I want to talk to you most about is just, obviously, we get to do always a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't get to do. We get to spend a lot of time around the players, around the stadium, going to places where other people don't go. But this year, the mere act of being in the stadium it, it, it is a pretty unique responsibility and ability and obviously on the one hand you're shooting baseball that's what you're used to on the other hand it's so different i'm wondering if you can explain just how different it is to shoot baseball under these circumstances
1: yes it's it's very different normally i'm on the field and i'm shooting batting practice and then for the game i'm in the photo wells which are next to the dugout but because of everything that's going on i'm not on the field and i'm in elevated positions on the concourses of the 100 200 and 300 levels and you know at first it was i was upset because you know i felt like i wasn't going to be able to do my job well but then as the summer camp took off and now the season's taking off i actually am loving it i'm loving the different angles i'm getting i've noticed i've become much more patient with my approach to how i'm shooting the game and it's just it's it's challenged me to kind of just think outside the box and just shoot in a way that I really haven't shot before, but because there's no fans in the stadium, I kind of have this entire stadium to go and do as I please. It's been a challenge and but it's a challenge that I've embraced as the season's gone on, and you know I definitely am getting my steps in <laughs> during these <laughs> these days but Not being on the field was, again, at the beginning, I thought it was something that was going to be a problem, and I just wasn't going to be able to do my job well, but I think it's proven otherwise.
0: So what is the balance for you between trying to shoot a baseball game in a somewhat normal way versus trying to make sure that you're capturing what 2020 baseball looks like?
1: Well, I mean, it's still shooting the game. You're still trying to get the story of the game and you know, try and get every big moment that the Yankees have, whether that's a home run, whether it's a walk off, whether it's a starting pitcher, whether it's a player making their major league debut. So it's kind of like I'm positioning myself in places throughout the game that allow me to capture the players in the best angle possible, but also mixing up the angles. It's really just still trying to capture the story of the game just from an elevated angle.
0: I could tell you selfishly, one thing that I'm excited about with this, and, and this is no knock, I, I hope it's obvious this is no knock on you or any of our photographers, but just to give a little background on how we do this stuff, let's say we're doing a feature on DJ LeMayhew. So obviously we want to use as many current newish photos as possible, but you know we also try to go through the whole archive of our DJ LeMayhew photos to try to find just unique and different photos. And you know the nature of how we shoot baseball usually means that frankly, a lot of the LeMayhew shots are kind of from the same angle or one of two angles and they're great shots, but but it's hard to fill a 10 page p- feature and make them look different. And, and one thing that I look forward to next year is in addition to the shots, as long as it's the player has been here for a couple of years, in addition to the shots that we have, you know, from the on-field position that we're used to, we're going to have such different options to work with because of this year you've spent not being able to shoot where you're used to shooting from.
1: Right. I mean, it's much more of a pulled back, even though I have, a big lens and i'm able to isolate the players and you know away it's still a pulled back angle so you're getting a sign of the times because you're getting the players and they're in their pinstripes but you're getting empty seats in the background or like you're getting a player on base next to one of our guys who has a mask on and inevitably you're you're capturing the pandemic play in those photos but like you're saying the flip side is is i'm getting all of these new angles that I never would get because normally we, we would be shooting from first base and third base. And occasionally, you know, we'd move to center field and, you know, get different angles, but not to the extent that we're getting now.
0: And, and look, you're getting vari- variety and that's important. One thing that I love also is let's say when you are shooting, say, Alex Rodriguez's 3,000th hit. Okay. On the one hand, you could take that picture and, and you can know and we can caption and say, this is 3,000th hit. But, frankly, it's a swing that looks like any other swing. And if you don't have a caption there, you won't know it. Whereas 10, 20, 100 years into the future, when you see a photo from this year of Clint Fraser, you know, with a pinstripe mask on his face, that photo is going to tell such a story. It's going to take you right into the moment when it was taken in a way that as much as we try and as much as we want to capture all the time, you can't usually do just because of the way everything looks. You're going to look at a, you know, a shot of just a totally empty stadium with nine players in the field. And immediately you're going to know, or well, I hope you're going to know because I hope this doesn't go on forever, but immediately you're going to know this is 2020. Man, does this tell an interesting story.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's the truth. I mean, there's definitely a time step on these photos, but these are historic moments. I mean, this is unprecedented times and hopefully things get better come the 2021 season. I mean, the Yankees have done a tremendous job in keeping the stadium safe. I really hadn't left my house before going back to work, so I was definitely nervous about going back, but what they've done, I feel extremely comfortable being in the stadium. And, you know, I I wish I could include the noise that is in the stadium in game because it makes it feel like a little more real. You know, they have kind of like this white noise that plays during the game, and then when something exciting happens, they have that fan noise that they pump through the stadium. But it's challenging for me because... A lot of times I'm looking through my lens, you know, in non-pandemic seasons, and I'm able to feed off of the, home, the crowd to determine what's happening. You know, now it's like, what just happened? And I have to kind of pull my like, pull my eye away from the lens or the, the eyepiece to see if it's a home run. Is it a pop out? Is it a strike? Is it a ball? Like You can't really tell because you don't have the, the crowd noise to kind of help determine what just happened.
0: Absolutely. I remember I was covering a game and I think I was typing something and looking down and all of a sudden I look up and there's a, a runner on first. Yeah. And in my, I look at my scorecard and I just write in BB cause I figured it must've been a lock because it just happened like that. And then I decided, Oh, you know, actually I'm check and it was actually a hit. And obviously in my head, of course it wasn't a hit cause I didn't hear anything, but what am I going to hear? I mean, there's no right. real sound. And so, you know, it turns out he had like hit a ball, uh, just, between first and second and gotten a single and i just totally missed it because if you're not just watching everything right now you don't have the usual sensory things that are telling you what's going on
1: yeah i mean i the the crowd noise like helps me know what's happening all the time obviously because for me if it's we're up to bat i'm staying on the batter um so if they don't react you know i wait on their reaction also but i I'm also waiting on the crowd.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it, it's just really interesting. And honestly, I, I wrote this in my story for the September issue, a, a quote from Michael Kay. I think I've mentioned this already that there's a dystopian quality to being there. It's just very weird. And on the one hand, you know, like you're saying, when you have your tight lens and you're, you know, looking at the batter or the pitch or something like that, it can feel very normal. And then you yeah. can just pull back for a second and you're just like, nothing is normal. This is so strange.
1: Yeah. And it's also like, you know, it's, I'll wave to like the players and the coaches, but you know, I'm used to being on the field and being able to like, even for a couple of seconds, like chit chat, just how are you? How's your family? And you know, vice versa. And you know, those conversations aren't happening. It's, it's sad, it's hard, but the flip side of it is I love what I do. So I'm very happy to be back doing my job, even though it's not a typical situation, I guess there's nothing normal about what's going on, but being at work gives me a little sense of normalcy, which makes it a little bit easier.
0: For sure. And, and one thing that, again, I mean, we can only cross our fingers and hope that when the 2021 season starts, things are back to normal. But, but again, this is something that if you're just a reader of Yankees Magazine, you probably wouldn't understand. But a lot of what we're able to do, a lot of the relationships we're able to build with these players obviously, you know, our PR staff is helpful. And I like to think that myself and the other uh, writers and editors are personable people. But the reason we have some connections to these players is because of the time that you spend around them on the field, really kind of in their faces, but also, you know, helping them out and giving that shooting photos for them and for their families and things like that. And, you know, the relationships you're able to build. And just to give one example, obviously, you know, you've shot him a few times at this point, whether on the day he signed or also a little bit in spring training, but, you know, we're going to get through the first season that Garrett Cole, one of the most exciting signings we've had in a decade, basically, is pitching for the Yankees. But, we're not going to have that ability to build a relationship with him because for the last six months you haven't been closer than like 200 feet to him. And these things are important, and this is how we're able to get this access and tell these stories and have these players trust us because they know that we come along with Ari, who they know well and that they've worked with, and that you know she's been good to them and she's helped them out. And you know that that's something that's just lost this year and that we don't have this year. And, and again, you know, you assume and you hope that that'll be easily fixed when the world gets back to normal, but it is a lost year in some ways.
1: Yeah, no, it's, I mean, a big part of my job is making them feel comfortable and letting them know that, you know, I'm the team photographer, I'm here, they need something, let me know. And that helps, you know, with feature stories we do, it helps with the magazine and you don't have that interaction this season for all the right reasons. I mean, we're still in a pandemic, but it's just, it's hard. You know, it's definitely a weird thing. And even shooting with the other photographers that I've been working beside for all these years, you know, we're talking to each other with our mask on and, you know, there's a healthy distance between all of us. And it's like, you want to like give your friend a hug that you haven't seen. And it's like, you can't. So again, it's like a double-edged sword because it's nice to be back and have a little bit of normalcy, even though there's nothing normal about what's going on right now.
0: For sure. Well, Ari, you know your your pictures really do tell the stories in here, but thank you so much for spending the time with us, actually giving us the backstory here and explaining how it is. I really enjoyed this talk and I think our listeners did too.
1: Well, thank you for having me. And I know it was nice to get to see you and Jim and I'll see you when I see you.
0: For sure. Thanks so much. Have a great uh, couple of weeks. I'll see you soon.
1: Thank you.
0: And to all of you, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast. Before you go, I want to tell you more about the Yankees Magazine podcast network. If you liked hearing from us today, you should also check out Deep to Left with Bucky Dent, our newest podcast that Bucky Dent hosts. Each episode features conversations with former teammates and other greats from the game's history, and now he's talking about Yankees baseball with us. On the latest episode, he spoke with Rick Cerrone, who, in honor of the 40th anniversary of Yankees magazine, actually appeared on the cover of the first ever issue, so make sure you check that out. If you're not subscribed to any of our podcasts, what are you waiting for? We're available wherever you listen to your podcasts or at yankees.com slash podcast. Leave us a review, leave us a rating. You can even send us your thoughts over email, podcast at yankees.com. And for my Yankees Magazine subscribers, you should have already received your September issue. Any questions, you can always call 800-GO-YANKS or head over to yankees.com slash publications for more information. And you can start a new subscription, buy a back issue, maybe even gift someone who's a huge fan. And, of course, if you'd like to see our content online, get a taste of it at yankees.com slash magazine. There you'll find our latest features to read from the magazine, and we're also on Twitter, at Yanks Magazine. Give us a follow and be up to date with every podcast and magazine we produce. That's it. See you next time, and go Yanks!
3: Hi, this is Jonathan Holder. For more stories like these, subscribe to Yankees Magazine by visiting yankees.com slash publications, or by calling 800-GO-YANKS.
0: The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today.
3: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best